Caregivers feel so much guilt. You're going to feel guilty. You're a caregiver. There's no way around it. Take a few minutes. Feel guilty. But don't try to deny that you have it because it's, it's unavoidable. Hi, I'm Bobby. And I'm her husband, Mike. And this is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. I was a caregiver for my father-in-law, Roger, for seven years. And since then, I've become a certified caregiving consultant and a certified caregiving educator. And I was a secondary caregiver for my father. And since that time, I've become a certified caregiver advocate. Here, we're going to focus on the caregiver. We're going to offer our practical insights and share some emotional support. Maybe we'll even share a few laughs along the way because we all know that laughing is, in fact, the best medicine. And don't forget the wine. Oh, no, can't forget the wine. We're here to talk about some of the different types of dementia. We've been going through that a little bit recently. A lot of times people ask about what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, not knowing that Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. And then, of course, there's Lewy body dementia and vascular dementia and frontal lobe dementia and Huntington's disease and, and a number of other issues. Mike's dad had schizophrenia and Lewy body dementia, which we didn't realize until after he had passed away that that's the form that he had. Right. It wasn't until after we looked at his medical records that were sent to us from the VA. And that's the first time either one of us had ever seen the term Lewy body dementia. One thing that we did know, though, was if he was prescribed a certain medication, um, very often the um, side effects would be exactly the opposite of what was expected. (laughs) And that's one of the things that I learned sometimes happens with Lewy body. So that brings us to today's guest, whose knowledge and experience with Lewy body dementia began with the personal care of her mother, Lillian, who had Lewy body dementia. Lillian is the inspiration behind the founding of the Lewy body dementia resource center. Norma facilitated the only two Lewy body dementia support groups in New York, and there are now five. So please welcome to our show, Norma Loeb. Hi, Norma. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast with us. We're looking forward to talking to you today. I am too. With the rise of Lewy body dementia over the past few years and the realization that it's growing and people are more aware of it, there's still a whole lot of people out there, including doctors, who don't know about Lewy body and how it differentiates from Alzheimer's. So we are so glad to have you here today. Thank you. And you are so right about that. Um, So what can you tell us about the experience of Lewy Body with your mom and how that um, inspired you to do the work that you do now? My mom had it and I noticed it at the very beginning. She was 75 and couldn't do her checkbook, which is pretty common with any form of dementia to have trouble with numbers and time. And I was really close to my mom, so I brought her to one doctor after another. I can say that the first doctor we brought her to, which was her internist, said that any problems that she was having were, it was common at her age, which is so not true, as you both know. It is not common to forget things on an everyday basis on on, on the way you are functioning. So I took her to doctor after doctor, and it took 
a year and a half and many doctors in, in order for her to be diagnosed correctly. She was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which is very common. And I can tell you, in caring for her and finding out all I could on the internet and talking to as many people as I can, which wasn't too many who knew the disease, I kept finding out more and more information and I just needed I needed to help as many people as what she she had this disease for a very long time, which is not the norm. Most people have it for four to seven years. She had it for 18 years and was bedridden for the last eight years and lived with me. So I know every aspect of the disease, which is why I founded the Louis Body Dementia Resource Center. So for the people who don't know how to recognize Lewy body as opposed to Alzheimer's, can you share with them um, the signs and the symptoms that definitely point to it now? Absolutely. I would, I would for, for everyone to know, Lewy body dementia is the second most common form of progressive dementia after Alzheimer's disease. It's estimated that 1.4 million Americans have it. And I am going to assume that that is underestimated just because it's misdiagnosed so much. And just to know the extent of how big it is before I talk about any symptoms, there are more people with Lewy body dementia than are HIV positive. Wow. There are more people who have Lewy body than ALS, muscular dystrophy, and cerebral palsy combined. Wow. But it's still widely unknown and it's misdiagnosed often as either Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or psychiatric disorder. And for those who may not know, it's the disease that Robin Williams had. And the same, as you said, Mike, with your dad, Robin Williams never knew he had it. He was misdiagnosed with depression and with Parkinson's. And it wasn't until autopsy three months later that they found that out. Is it often misdiagnosed as depression? Many times it is because Robin Williams had had depression earlier in his life. And one of the symptoms, one of the many, many symptoms of Lewy body is is depression. It's not one of the top ones, but it is one of them. As a matter of fact, your dad had depression also. And he often would say that's that's what his problem was. He had, he had depression. Then he also had the Parkinson's and, you know, he also had the delusions and all of that that went with it. Yes. So I I want to say I'm not an expert on Alzheimer's. I also don't have any medical background. I just want to say that I, I care. I was caregiver to my mom for 18 years. I've talked, I've been leading the New York support groups for over 12 years. I have neurologists on my board and have attended everything there is on Louie body. So anything that I'm saying is through my experience or from hearing from experts and just probably thousands of caregivers at this point. So this is what people need. People need to hear from you and people like you and people like us that were in the trenches that actually lived it and have a better understanding of it than a lot of physicians. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. And so with Alzheimer's, generally speaking, someone is going to be forgetful. They're going to have memory problems. They may repeat things, but as as we all know, it's generally that they're forgetting things. They could forget who people are, um, and, and it's, it's a slow progression depending on the person. 
The difference with Lewy body dementia is the easiest way in layman's terms, if, if you wanted to just describe it quickly to someone, you would say, well, it's a combination of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. That's not necessarily the truth. However, the symptoms of Lewy body are issues with cognition. And it's not necessarily memory at the beginning. So the same way my mother couldn't do the checkbook or may have trouble with a remote control, with a telephone, or just trying to do things which they call executive function, problems with executive function, meaning things that are affecting your daily life, which is different than memory. So in addition to the cognition issues and memory issues, they have signs of Parkinson's. And for many people who may be listening to this, I automatically, people who don't know Parkinson's well will say, oh, that's when handshakes. Right. That's what people think. I knew nothing about any of this. I can tell you that signs of Parkinson's can be a tremor in the hand, except a lot of people with Lewy body don't have the tremor. But in addition to that, it's rigidity in the arms and legs, a stiffness and a slowness of movement. A shuffling walk. So I'm sure many people have seen older people with a shuffling walk. It's not just because they're older. Some people may have Parkinson's. And there's also the chin is jutted out and there's a blank stare. It's known as a mask type of face. So two of the top symptoms are the problems with cognition and Parkinson's symptoms, but also... This is key. This is one of the keys to knowing it. In addition to having those two things, they have hallucinations. But what I want to talk about, which is, which is core, is fluctuations. People who have Alzheimer's and other kinds of dementias, generally, you'll know what to expect on a regular basis. People who have Lewy body will fluctuate. And what I mean by that is they may be able to talk about what's going on in politics today. And in an hour from now or in two days from now, they may not be able to answer a simple question. That's what I call the uh, moments of clarity. Every now and then, you know, you would get that. Absolutely. But I have to tell you, Norma, my husband is sitting across from me listening to you talk about the symptoms of Lewy body and a light bulb went on over his head mm. because you described his father you to a T. You described him to a T. It's like you knew him all your life. Wow. The, the mask, the stiffness, you know, he, he liked to walk. He liked to be outside. But it was the shuffle, and his arms were down at his side and pretty much head lowered. Um, I used to think he was just watching where he was walking, but now that you're saying all this stuff, it's – all these light bulbs are popping on and I'm sitting here with my eyes like dinner plates. You described him to an absolute T. Yeah, the arms don't swing like they do. On, no. No, they just you're, stay at their sides. You're correct. And probably, Mike, I'll probably mention more things because in addition to those, um, with the fluctuations, as I said, many people get hallucinations. Some get delusions. And yes. what I mean by that is the the it, it's just, really an oddity, um, but they generally will see children and small animals. It's a very interesting disease if it wasn't so devastating. Mm -hmm. I, I hear that a lot, and unfortunately, the caregivers who don't know what they don't know try to tell them that there's no one there rather than tell the kids it's time to go home, scoot them out of the room, or you know something like that to recognize 
that what they're saying is real. I try to explain it to people as if you recall having a very, very vivid dream. And in that moment, that reality is as real to you as when you're up and going to work in the morning. And then you wake up and you realize that the panic that you felt or whatever was going on in that dream is not real. But somebody with Lewy body um, doesn't understand that it's not real. So it is as real to them as what you see and what you hear going around you. And it will not benefit anybody to try to convince them that that's not real. You're, you're absolutely right. I can tell you, though, that everybody, I think it's really important to, to, for me to say this. Every person with Lewy body dementia is another person, is an individual with Lewy body dementia. They're all so different. It doesn't follow any rhyme or reason of what comes first and do they get every symptom and how long each one lasts and what they see. I can tell you that other caregivers in my groups will at times, depending on their relationship with their, say, husband, they know, depending on his ability to understand and wanting to know, that she may say to him, that was one of those hallucinations, or that was Louis showing up, and he would say, oh, okay, that's not real. That some people can do. But what I generally recommend is exactly what you said, Bobby. If someone is seeing things, and I can I can give you an example from my personal experience from many years ago. My mom had a hardwood floor, and you know, there's all markings in the floor. She was using a mm-hmm. cane at that point, and she was pointing and saying, look at all the bugs on the floor. And at the time, I didn't know better, and I said, Ma, there's no bugs on the floor. But that was the wrong way to handle it, and the right way would be, okay, I'll take care of them. Why don't you go sit down? I'm going to get the broom or mop. I'm going to get rid of them and it'll all be taken care of. And acknowledging that does quite a few things. It, it, now you're not frustrating them by telling them there's nothing on right. the floor. They're not getting angry. And they don't have to figure out what the solution is to fix this, which is another thing that's difficult for them. And they feel safe. This is extremely important. They need to feel safe because they're unable to make the right decisions and figure things out. And it comes and goes. And if you tell them that they're wrong and they honestly believe it, they're going to wonder what you're trying to pull. They get very, they'll get angry, they'll get frustrated, and that it, it does not help. And then you become adversaries. Yes, instead absolutely. Instead of working together. That's right. Right. So in addition to the cognition issues and Parkinson's, the fluctuations and hallucinations, there is an early symptom that for some people shows up years earlier, which is a REM sleep disorder. And what I mean by that is people are acting out their dreams. They, they could be thrashing and hit the person next to them. They could be having nightmares or talking in their sleep. The way their brain is reacting when you go to sleep and dream, it usually, it does something so that you are not moving. But people who have REM sleep disorder are moving in their sleep. And that's an early sign just as a lack of smell is an early sign for actually any form of dementia. And there, so two more things I want to mention, as if this wasn't enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go, girl. Later Keep on, it coming. Okay. 
later on, at, well, or mid, midway through the disease, um, there's a visual-spatial aspect, which means they have trouble with depth perception. So they may reach for glass that's on the table, but they may be reaching to the right because they can't see that it's right in front of them. And so driving can become an issue. They may hit a curb. They're not seeing that right. And, um, and they may say, I need to go to the eye doctor and I need glasses, but their vision, regular vision hasn't actually changed. And an ophthalmologist may say their vision hasn't changed, which is why I now try to speak to ophthalmologists too, because if they see the other symptoms, maybe it's a depth perception issue and, and we can try to direct them to the right person. And then come the other thing, Mike, is it, depression and anxiety. If people had them all their lives, then this exasperates it, but it does add to some. And then I want to say apathy shows up. It looks like they're lazy, but they're not. There's daytime sleepiness. It could be one nap, and then it's going to change to two naps, and then it can be three naps a day, and they can't help it. And that's what's very difficult for caregivers. What's funny in you saying that is my dad would nap all day long and then be up all night. Yes. And then he was frustrated because he couldn't sleep at night. Yes. And even when he slept and napped during the day, he might nap for two hours, three hours, and he would be convinced it was five minutes or 10 minutes. Oh, wow. When you would tell him that he slept. Yeah. So in his mind, he never slept. Oh. And one of the things I thought back then is that, you know, sometimes you have something going on and your brain won't shut down for you mm-hmm. to go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. If you have a big presentation coming up or a paper due or something like that and your brain won't shut up, I always thought that that might be what's happening to him, that his brain would never shut down. And that's why even though he was sleeping, his brain never rested. And that was just something that I had kind of looked at and thought might have been happening with him. But one of the other things with my father was at a very young age, he was diagnosed as a, as a schizophrenic. Mm. So trying to, you know, now looking back, how do you differentiate where the schizophrenia ended and the Lewy body began or vice versa? I think it would depend on how many years prior, because I remember a neurologist on my board saying that most people who have schizophrenia get that at a very young age. I'm, again, I'm not a doctor. Yes. So I, I think it generally happens to someone in their 20s and 30s. I'm not 100% sure. So if that was the case, it may be that yes. he had both. If it happened later he on, did. it was? Yes. He, okay. Yes. yes. He had the, got the schizophrenia in his 20s, and he developed dementia uh, after the age of 65. Okay. So he, he had both. He had both. <laughs> uh, one thing I'd like to mention um, that I hear about, and we saw it to some degree with Mike's dad, is what's called the Louis lean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some people have that. It, that's part of the, yes, it's part, it's part of the Parkinsonian symptoms. They have a tendency, their body to lean to the right or to the left. So, so when they're walking, it makes their gait uneven and can contribute to falls. But if you're seeing that in your loved one with dementia of some sort, you might want to mention that to the doctors because that could be another sign that we're dealing with Louis. It is. Uh, there, there is one more that I didn't mention. Is, um, it affects the whole autonomic system, meaning that people become incontinent, um, they have constipation. But besides that, there's also something called autosomal 
hypostatic hypotension, which means that people's blood pressure can be high and then can or, or can be normal, and then it drops suddenly when they stand up. And so they collapse and people think, oh, this person just died, which is not the case. So it's very scary on top of it. It's also not an unusual thing. It's the only symptom my mom didn't have of everything I mentioned. I can see a picture of your dad next to the definition of Lewy body dementia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, you know, yes. it's interesting that you say that because I can tell you month after month, year after year, how many people will come to the support groups and as the new person is speaking and they're mentioning the symptoms and when they were diagnosed and how long it took to get diagnosed, inevitably they say, well, I realize now that it was going on for a much longer time, but I thought it was, oh, he's forgetting one or two things, or he's just shuffling his feet. Nobody realized it. And then everybody feels guilty, which is a number one part of caregiving that no matter what you do, you're feeling guilty. Yes. You can, you can be doing, you know, 99 things. And you forgot one, and that's it. You messed up for the day. <laughs> There's this feeling of, I should be able to figure this out. Yeah. And I, okay, I understood this part, and I thought I had a handle on it, and then this popped up. That's right. And why didn't I see that? And what more can I do to save this person? And it, it's, it goes on over and over and over again. Yes, it does. And caregivers feel so much guilt. Yes. And there's so much information out there about how to deal with the guilt. And now I tell people, you're going to feel guilty. You're a caregiver. There's no way around it. Take a few minutes. Feel guilty. Promise yourself you're going to get up. And move on because you have plenty to do. <laughs> that's right. But don't try to deny that you have it because it's it's unavoidable. We, it's we, very... That's why my book is The Imperfect Caregiver, because there is no way to be a perfect caregiver. And we just have to understand that as try as we hard to manage this, this is something that cannot be managed. It's a perfect name that you named your book. Really perfect <laughs> name. It's exactly, it's exactly what it is. Um, what I'd like to mention to people is, because it is, I don't think I said, why is it misdiagnosed so frequently? And why is it so important, which you talked about at the beginning? People with Lewy body dementia, on top of everything else, are extremely sensitive to medications. And so that's why it's so important. We know there's no cure for Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or Lewy body. But to distinguish the difference because of their sensitivity to meds is extremely important. So that someone who has pure Parkinson's and is given a Parkinson's med will not generally, I don't think, have side effects. Someone who has Lewy body, 50% of those people might have side effects or might get hallucinations from that particular drug. And so it's really important to distinguish the difference. And also when someone is having bad hallucinations, and I mentioned before about children and animals, some people have very frightening hallucinations and they become yes. very aggressive. And that's when medication is needed. But the right antipsychotic needs to be given, which is why the right neurologist is important to be seeing the person. Because the wrong, older kind of antipsychotic, I'll mention it and I'm saying it again. I don't have um, a medical background, but it's known that Haldol is really one of the older medications that can really set them off, generally speaking, and that there are others that can work better. And the reason that it's 
misdiagnosed so often in doctor's offices is because so many of the things I mentioned earlier can't be seen in a visit. You're not going to see the REM sleep disorder. You're not going to see hallucinations. You're not going to see the fluctuations probably because as you probably know, both of you, if you take them to a doctor's office, we call it showtime. They are perfectly oh, yes. fine. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, you know, I would take him to the VA hospital and as he was walking in the door, you could see the transformation occur. Yes. And when I was trying to convince the um, neurologist that something was going on with him other than what they were trying to say to me, um, the doctor said, I don't see any of these symptoms. And I said to him, if you walk down the hall and come back five minutes later, I guarantee you, you will see this. He said, that may be so, but I've got other patients to worry about. See see the receptionist about making a, a, another no. appointment. So I said to him, what do I have to do, videotape it? And he said, why don't you? So we did. And it was only when we could show absolute evidence of what I was trying to prove to them that they actually believed it. So that goes into the difficulty in being a caregiver with somebody with diseases like this and the doctors aren't hearing you. And I became... I guess you want to call it, uh, Mike calls me the, the dragon lady, <laughs> of calling the doctors and the nurses and the support staff to task on a regular basis. Yeah. Norma, um, you had mentioned that it took a number of years to get the diagnosis. Did I hear that correctly? Oh, yes, you did. It took, for my mom, well, actually, for my mom, it took three years for me to get the correct diagnosis. From most, on average, it takes a year and a half. My hope is that it's getting better as as more people hear of it. But as you mentioned before, the majority of people still never heard of it. I, I want to say 95% of people still never heard of it. But yes, it took three years for my mom, but that was about 20 years ago. So now I'll say it could take a year, but it could still take that long if you're not seeing a neurologist. And... What I want to mention is when you're going to a doctor, and extremely important, the same way Bobby mentioned about video, it, it is bring a list of the person's history. It's the most important thing that doctors have told me. Because even though you think something's not important, like you wouldn't think maybe reaching for the glass, oh, he doesn't see that right. Maybe you think it's not important. Write down every single thing that you notice and mention that and bring that. Because they will not see the symptoms in the in the doctor's office. And now we have the advantage of having the smartphones where you can actually take a short video and show them trying to pick up the glass or Absolutely. show the shuffle. Or... Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think I, think I mentioned every symptom. <laughs> I think I, I want people to know how frustrating it is because for caregivers in general, since I know that this is what this was about to begin with, on top of all that they're going through, the burden is even more than with other dementias and with Parkinson's because people never heard of it. So they don't really have anywhere to turn other than an organization such as mine. So I'm, I'm saying that because I mean that. We have the only life helpline for Lewy body dementia in the country. One of the things we're going to do, um, Norma, is we're going to put a link to that on the Roger That website. Great. Thank you. Um, along with this podcast when it goes live. Um, but how would 
other than the Roger That website, how would somebody find a Lewy Body Support Group? I have everything listed on our site. In fact, my website, which is, I have a long version, Lewy Body Resource Center, but the shorter version, which you'll put is lbdny.org. And that website, it was put together not just for symptoms of Lewy Body and diagnosis, et cetera. It has all aspects of caregiving. It has resources of neurologists and geriatricians for every single state in the country, as well as for 15 other countries. And we're adding extensive resources. Right now I have New York, Florida, and California, but in about four weeks we're having eight additional states added. And those states list meal deliveries, veterans information, physical therapists, daycare centers, so that people can get information. It lists support groups too, but more we have support groups in the New York area because that's where I'm based, but we can help you find, because there are some Louis body support groups in other states as well, and we can help you find that. There, there aren't in, in every city, but in many states. Well, in the caregiver support group that I lead in our community, I have um, people that are caring for people with four different types of dementia. And and one of them is Lewy body, and we have frontal lobe, and we have Alzheimer's. And then we have have another one that I hadn't heard of and that initially presents with blindness and eventually goes into the other symptoms of dementia. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I I want to add... Of course, it's important if there isn't one that's just for Louis body. If there is one, I, the, the five that we lead in New York are specifically and only for Louis body because, as you can imagine, in the New York area, there are so many groups for Alzheimer's and so many um, for the other dementias. Right, but and we live in a small community. Body. So, yes, yeah. and many people do, which is why we try to help them. And if they don't have a support group, I know we just got a call yesterday from someone in Ohio and, 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 and my colleague on the phone was trying to give them one, but it, it was three hours away. So what we try to do is have them call the helpline and, and we can answer whatever questions we can on that helpline. I'm happy to give you the number now or you can list it. Um, I may as well say it as long as I'm saying it. Yes. 516-218-2026. And that helpline is available seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're happy to help you and happy to try to find resources um, in your area. And then what we're talking about for 2020 is trying to have a support group specifically for Louis Body by phone. So we're looking in um, when and how best to do that. That's one of the things that I do as a caregiving consultant. I do phone consulting for people who... um you know, can't get out to a support group um, and feel very isolated. And I not only listen to them vent in a safe place, but also help them work through some solutions for whatever it is on that particular bad day. Okay, that's great. Norma, um, somebody who is just getting the diagnosis of Lewy body, is there or do you have any suggestions on what to do? Um like diet, exercise, any of those type of things? Is there 
I, I, I want to say that if they, the more they can exercise or, or keep moving is certainly helpful from everything that I've learned and that I've been told. Um, if there are days or an hour, they need to be encouraged to do that. You know, early on is not usually a problem, but later on, as I mentioned, apathy is part of the disease. And so they may not want to do it, but they may do it with a physical therapist versus with the spouse. They may do it with an occupational therapist. So that's important. And people should know that an OT or PT can come to the home. They don't necessarily, you know, later on, they don't necessarily have to go to a facility to do that. But, but keeping, keeping um, physically fit, as you said, and, and being around people. One of the things I, I want to say later on for helpful kind of hints, which we like to give, is people with Lewy body also, as the disease progresses, they don't like a lot of noise. It bothers them. Bright lights could bother them. But they also, they can be invigorated the same way Bobby said when walking into the veteran's uh, place. That wakes them up because I think they're bored. They, they need to be around new energy. But at the same time, if you're in a group and say, especially during the holidays, and there are a lot of people at a table, and there are a lot of conversations going on. It becomes very confusing and it's overstimulating to them. And they may want to go in a separate room where it's quiet or with a few people. So I, I just want people to know that because keeping it small or to people that they know that who can wake them up and understand um, what's going on is, is more beneficial. Norma, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today. I had probably a dozen and a half aha moments uh, talking with you about my dad, and it kind of helps connect the dots for me, um, very therapeutic in, in a sense, if you will, that I understand more of, of his behavior at the time that, uh, that I didn't understand then that I understand more now. So really, really thank you so much. And I'm sure our listeners will get a large benefit from having had you on the program. Thank you. Nora, I'm so glad that I found you and that you were able to be a part of this today. And I know that the information you share is going to have a great deal of impact. And I hope we stay connected. Yes. I would be very happy to stay connected. And I, I'm, I'm happy if I was of value to even if it's a few people. I hope it's many more people, but you know, just helping one person. And I, I want to say there's a new Robin Williams film documentary that's coming out in the spring and we had the good fortune of be able to have a private screening at Lincoln Center this past July. Oh. When it's officially released, we will be able to show that film and an educational version is what we hope and that I can speak at the same time. So if people would like something like that done to, to follow our website because we'll have information on there. And I had one more thing I wanted to say <laughs> in closing to help people. Just please, the same way we said before about people being frustrated, when caregivers always get frustrated and yell and then they feel guilty, the more you can try to stay patient and loving and kind, it helps them so much. And I know we all love that. So I just want to stress that too. It really goes a long way. And thank yes. you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, one of the things that we talked about with Norma was the doctors not necessarily understanding uh, what was going on. 
And it is important for caregivers to understand that they can challenge the doctors. They can share their information with them. What sometimes even frequently happens when you're in a doctor's office with someone with, with a dementia, the person with dementia will deny all symptoms. They will, you know, like your dad used to say, you know, she worries too much. Don't listen to her. And doctors are told you need to listen to the patient. But when you're dealing with dementia, it's very much like going in with a child. Right. Even though they are not children, but they don't have the ability to be honest and to explain their symptoms in a way that their caregivers do. So we need to encourage the doctors to listen to the caregiver. And sometimes you have to be very strong in saying, I need you to listen to me. Right. And that's also where taking those little videos will come in handy, too. You know, in, in thinking about what we talked about, she said exactly that. Don't be afraid to challenge the doctor. But also with that, with your challenge, you have to have documentation to back your challenge up. So document, document, document. Go with as much information as you can. I think the other important thing was that you need to try to alleviate the carry's fear by going into their reality and not trying to bring them into yours because you'll never get them into yours. You have to go into theirs. And I think the last point she brought up was very, very important also with stay as calm and as kind as you can. And that sometimes takes prayer and that wine we mentioned earlier. There you go. Uh, I spend a lot of time <laughs> as a caregiver crying, praying, and drinking some wine. <laughs> you can find out more about Norma on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show. Go to iTunes and post a review and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know how we can help, or if you have a question you'd like for us to address, let us know. Or if you just want to just say hi, we would appreciate that too. To find out more about us or where Bobby will be speaking next, head over to rogerthat.show. That's roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.